Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Wednesday, March 25th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, and episode 360, part two of my interview with actor, musician, and diehard Celtics fan Donnie Wahlberg is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us for part two here, Kaufman and Donnie Wahlberg, and uh, just reminiscing, really, talking all about the Celtics from all the way back to really before Donnie was born to where we are now. And Donnie, one of the last things that we were talking about was just what a huge fan you were, obviously, and, and growing up in the heyday, the, the mid-80s, the original Big Three era, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. Who's your favorite Celtic of all time? So one of those guys? Ah, ah, this is a tough one because obviously, you know, I want to say Larry, um, you know, in some ways, um, Cedric Maxwell is one of my favorites. Um, you know, again, I grew up with a lot of brothers and there were three of us were around the same age as Mark, Bob and me. And I was the middle of those three. Mm. And when it came to threesomes, I always had to be like, the worst person. So like Bob, Bob was Mo, Mark was, uh, curly. So I had to be Larry. I've grown up to appreciate Larry, you know, but you have to. Bob would slap me around, you know, and Mark was like the cute little one. And I was in the middle. Right. So I was always Larry. I was, you know, and then I had to be Shem, you know, and, uh, I always had to be like the, 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 the worst of the three musketeers. Um, and so, you know, I would have to be, you know, Bob would say, "Well, I'm Bird," and Mark would say, "No, I'm Bird," and Mark would say, "Well, fine, okay, I'm 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 DJ," and I'd be like, "Okay, <laughs> I'll be Maxwell, I'll be <laughs> fine, I'll be Mikhail. Um, You know, not that Mikhail was anything to sneeze at; yeah, uh, he was amazing as well. Um, but I mean, it's hard to say. You know, I have a different, um, like, of course, I came up with Larry Bird, but that second sort of evolution of the Celtics with Paul Pierce um, mm. was really special for me. Um, you know, um, that whole time watching Pierce come up and have all this potential and then, you know, the Antoine Walker years and, you know, they, they almost won a championship there. And, um, you know, I got to know Paul pretty good and, um, 
you know, I, he's one of those guys. It was one of those things where from the moment he came onto the team, we watched him evolve and we watched him become a superstar and we watched him stare down Al Harrington and hit that shot. Yeah. And, you know, he became our guy. And so um, he'd be up there on the list. And honestly, right now, um, I got to tell you, like, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like, I have that same thing. Like, and now I'm watching it with my son. So I'm watching him experience what I've experienced a couple times over with the Celtics is watching these young guys come up from college and, you know, and, um, you know, seeing them sort of seeing their ascent. And, um, you know, I'm experiencing that for myself as a fan. Um, and, but I'm also watching my son experience it as well, which is amazing. And, um, it's, it's really fun. It's full circle. Um, but I think those guys are probably, um, they're all in my, my top five, I'd say bird Pierce, um, Tatum, Jalen, and I'd maybe round it out with, uh, uh, four people would be tied for number five. How about that? Okay. AG Ray Allen, uh, Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. How about that? <laughs> but then Bill Walton was a great Celtic for a year. Sure. I mean, it's it's so hard. It's and so many people, so many players, um, you know, matter for different reasons. You know, um, like how do you not love Dennis Johnson? You know, um, you know, there's just so many guys. I mean, I loved Reggie Lewis. Like I remember, I met Reggie Lewis in a club. New Kids on the Block were playing hmm. in a, a nightclub in Boston and during Reggie's rookie year. And um, he happened to be there and we weren't even supposed to be in the club. We were like, it's a over 21 club and we're performing there. And we're like 18. And uh, <laughs> I saw Reggie standing there and I walked over and I said, I, I, cause he was having, you know, kind of a odd rookie year. He didn't get to play a lot and stuff. And I said, one day in the garden, they're going to be cheering Reggie. Re, you, I promise you it's going to happen. And he was like, you think so? And I said, yeah, it's going to happen, man. And uh, when that happened, when he started to make that climb, um, it was amazing. It was amazing. And, and again, it's when somebody, when you watch that player come in from college or if they don't go to college, whatever, but if they, um, if they, they get on the team and you watch them climb and you watch that uh, journey, it, it does make you more invested. Like it, it's, there are times when you can get a free agent like KG coming over. That was a trade of course, but um, there are times when a trade like that happens with him and Ray, where they just fully uh, are all in and like he, they just fully embraced Boston, um, you know, uh, in a way that just is amazing. Like um, when I saw they're going to retire Kevin Garnett's number this year, I was at the game when they announced it. Oh, nice. Um, I mean, I had tears in my eyes. I was like, this is I have to be here next year when they hang his uh, number in the rafters. Um, but, you know, those are the rare exception. You know, only a guy like KG could embrace Boston the way he did and become such a part of the culture that his numbers get retired after well, playing, what, like four seasons with us? Um, five, maybe. I don't, I don't remember exactly how many. Yeah, was, six but, by um, the end. Five, five with all yeah. of them with Ray still here and six by the end. But, I mean, he was hurt for right. so much of it, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I know people say coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah. I happen to believe – I don't believe 
if Perk, I don't, you know, I'm not one of those people that says if Perk didn't get hurt, we win game seven in 2010. I don't know that we would have won game seven. The Lakers were a deeper team that year and they had home court. You know, in 08, we had a far deep, we had PJ Brown, yeah. like our 10th guy off the bench, and Sam Cassell was number 11. Yeah. We, we had Eddie House and Leon Poe and all these guys. We had so much depth, it was crazy and rebounding. Um, in 2010, they were the deeper team. That Ron Artest move just sort of pushed them to be the deeper team. And you got to be the deeper team in the playoffs, I think, to win a championship. Um, but um, 09, if KG doesn't go down, right. um, the Magic are not beating us and the Lakers are not beating us. 2010 might not have changed with Perk being healthy or not. I don't know. We did run out of gas, and maybe that would have made a difference. But um, – you know, game seven's on the road, like I said earlier. They're not – they're tough to overcome. But we, we definitely win in 09 if um, KG doesn't go down. So you're not like me, you know, Grandpa Simpson yelling at the cloud kind of mentality about, uh, you know, still ruining the day that Perk was traded away? I've talked to him about that I don't know how many times, too. And even he is at a point where he's being forced into the position to defend Danny Ainge for making the trade, saying that, look, I probably wasn't coming back anyway. You wanted to get something for me because I wanted to get paid and so on and so forth. But they're, you know, to to pin their hopes that year as they did on on Shaq and Jermaine, the O'Neals both staying healthy. It's, you know, that's that's also going to be one of the great what-ifs for me. Yeah. Um, you know, there is this thing, though, um, that we learn about in Boston sports, Um and we're watching it play out now with with one Thomas Brady. Uh, <laughs> I've heard of him, yeah. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's that thing of you know, do you hold on too long to right. the veteran, or do you make a change before it's too late? And um, you know, I, I remember there was a I don't remember who the show was. I, I feel like it might have been Michael Holly. I don't remember. There was a show with a couple of local sports guys would take calls. It was like on a Sunday afternoon. And I think I called in and said, you know, if we traded bird for, you know, <laughs> these three young guys, we could be great. And um, Indiana would take him because he's from Indiana and we could probably get Reggie Miller and yada, yada. And uh, I think I got yelled at and scolded and told not to call again, <laughs> but it was only when Larry was like really clearly like not Larry. And we really probably didn't have a chance anymore. Um, but that's the thing. Um, you just, you have to, you do have to know when it's time to move on and when it's not. Um, I don't think Tom Brady's the best example of this because he's just he's defies the logic. greatest yeah. quarterback of all time, and he's you know the um, most age-defying athlete of all time. You know, I don't know who's ever done what he's doing or come close. Nobody has. It's never been done. I mean, I don't know what do you compare it to. If George Foreman won 10 heavyweight championship fights at 45 instead of one, you know, you could compare that. Yeah. Um, although his feet, his feet was still incredible nonetheless. Um, but, you know, did, you know, we held on to Bird and Parrish and McHale and, you know, until it was too late. And, um, you know, I would never regret not trading those guys, but we definitely paid the price for keeping that group together too long and not, you know, seeing the writing on the wall. Um, I think sports has evolved now where a lot of teams are more, uh, because of free agency players come and go a lot more, and teams are a little more, um, dare I say it, Belichickian. Um, well, they'll move on from a player quicker. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, and try to and try to you know rebuild or find a different way. If a player's unhappy, they're not going to typically try to make them stay. Um, they're going to move on and cut their losses and try to you know just build try and something get else. something for them. Um, exactly, exactly. So um, I don't know if it was the right thing to break up that team or to send Perk um, packing. I personally love Perk, um, but I just don't know what that team would have done. So I, I don't know. Um, I think at some point, I think Danny's one of those people that says, you know what, I get it, we're good, we can get past everyone, but can we get past the Miami Heat? Can we really beat them with this group, or do we got to start looking to, you know, get younger and and make something happen? And I think that was probably his mindset, and he probably would have been right. The vast majority of Celtics fans, sports fans, you know, they're they're you growing up, they're, you know, they're that kid hoping and praying for the high five from the guy on the championship truck. As you've gotten older, as as obviously, you know, gotten more successful and and have, you know, kept your allegiance what it is as as a fan to this team. Is it kind of surreal at all that, you know, you you grow up playing with your brothers and idolizing these guys to now being able to have personal relationships with guys like Tatum, Brown, Pierce and so on? Um, it's, I'd say it's a little, um, I don't know if surreal is the right word. Surreal is, um, going to do a concert in Indiana, um, in the building that the Pacers play in. And, you know, they let us use the practice court Mm. before our concert and Larry Bird walks down and, you know, starts shooting the shit with us. (laughs) Sorry for swearing. That's that's okay. It fits. uh, You know. (laughs) And yeah, and uh, and you know, we start talking about all the people we had in common, and you know, and all this different stuff. Um, that's a, a surreal, um, but yeah, sure. Um, I, it's definitely surreal to, um, yes, to to know Coach Stevens and to know Danny and to like you know have like traveled on the team plane before and. Um, gone to all these games and, and, um, but, you know, I try to, um, I definitely don't feel it's an entitlement. I don't feel entitled to any such thing. Um, I, I I will only, the only time I'm ever sort of defiant about my Celtic fandom is if somebody says something like, why did they get Donnie Wahlberg to do the ESPN 30 for 30? Um, and I'll say, cause I was there when the, building was empty and they were chanting fire doc and um and i was pointing at the guys yelling it in the loads giving them the middle finger um you know i was there um when we were winning 18 games and um and in that regard yeah i should be narrating the 30 for 30 if they asked me to do it and i don't feel entitled to narrate the 30 for 30 but if they asked me to do it i would say you know what i'm I'm a loyal enough and good enough fan who they seem to think should be doing this. And yes, I, I, I feel worthy of being a voice to speak for this team. Absolutely. Um, that's the only time I feel entitled to anything. And it, again, I don't feel entitled to the job. I cried when I got it. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't use these words, but I would say, I mean, unequivocally, that you're the biggest celebrity fan this team has. Well, I'm certainly the most loyal one. Um and and I don't, um, you know, I know there are others. I know Dana White is a legit loyal Celtics fan. Um, I've seen him at road games. Um, you know, he'll check in on Instagram if I'm at a game. Mm. 
you know, he's always a legit, legit Boston sports fan. Um, but with the Celtics, yeah, um, you know, uh, I don't know what it is with famous people, but when their team sucks, they just don't want any part of it other than Spike Lee, like right. legit fan, um, die hard to the end. Um, but a lot of famous people just don't want to be around um, lousy teams. Um, and and I don't know what that's all about, but um, I, I'd like to say that's just what Laker fans do, uh, <laughs> all the celebrity Laker fans. But trust me, it happens in other cities as well. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. But um, but it, to go back to your original part of the question, yeah. um, you know, it is a little bit surreal to be, you know, close to the team and, and to know so many of the players and whatnot. But um, I, I don't, I don't um, think it's something I'm entitled to. I don't think it's a right. I think it's an honor and a privilege. Um, I, I mean, you know, um, just to have a player give me a high five or something, you know, before a game. I mean, it's still like, it's still an incredible, exciting feeling to me. And um, it's, it's, it's almost no different, you know, um, um, than when I was a little kid, high five and Danny Ainge, you know, it's almost no different. So I don't take it as um, something that, you know, I have a right to do. Um, it, it means a lot to me that I'm able to, um, sit courtside at a game. Um, it's still surreal to me. I still get in before the national anthem. I want to be there for every single moment of the game. I'm not showing up at halftime and leaving early. Like it's, it's a dream come true to be able to go to a game period. Never mind sit on the floor. Never mind, you know, be able to add it up with a couple of players or, you know, talk to coach um, or Danny and, you know, and more importantly, I'm with my son now at games a lot. Mm. And, um, you know, I have to be a good example for him. You know, I can't be sitting there acting stupid at a game and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and passing on some sort of entitled attitude to him. You know, um, you know, he's, um, he's a legit fan. He's Celtics all the way. And, um, you know, he's, you know, sort of, he's his own young man, but he's sort of watching, you know, my approach to things too. And, you know, I don't, um, I would never want him to get the impression that this is something that you're entitled to because of your last name or because I've been coming for all these years. Like you can just walk over to the locker room and just start talking. It's, you know, it's a thing. Um, you know, it's, um, there's times when you, say hi to a player and there's times when you get out of the way and let them focus on what they have to do and um and and you be grateful for every single chance you have to watch a game to attend a game and um to 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 bump elbows or rub elbows with a player or a coach or anyone even associated with the team and now more than ever i think he's seeing that for sure and hopefully learning that right now as we speak because we don't have any games you know, we can't even watch a game on TV um, as father and son, as we love to do. Um, so hopefully um, those lessons are, are not lost on him. And certainly now, I think, like all of us, we're all um, definitely appreciating the little things that so many of us take for granted, um, I'm sure, because we're missing a lot right now.
One quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day, all online, including a $750,000 poker series. Incredible. If you're into props, entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the weather. Seriously. Visit the website or use your mobile device. Join today. Receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code CLNS50. Bet online. your online wagering experts. Let's get back to Donnie. When the new Big Three era rolled around 2007, we talked, obviously, a, a bunch about that time. But, you know, for you, personally, professionally, it was obviously a big time, too, because 08, if I remember right, was when NKOTB, you know, rebooted, came back. So you released the new album. You're touring constantly over those years. Blue Bloods begins in 2010. All the while, the Celtics were having all this success to the point where even that uh, garden return after the Celtics won Banner 17, uh, if I remember right, Paul Pierce comes out with the championship trophy at the garden, you know, during the concert to cap things off. How present were you able to be for that run? I, I feel like there's there's got to be a great story of you out on tour, maybe in the middle of a show, going backstage just to check a score update of a finals game or something like that. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so 08, I went to every finals game except one. We had a, we were just starting our reunion with New Kids on the Block, and we had a Toronto um, sort of like a, much music is like the MTV of Canada. Mm. And we had to go up there and do an event for them. And we were literally in the green room, and Rihanna walked in, and all these other famous people walked in, and were like, yo, you guys are blocking the TV. Like, we're trying to watch. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching game five, um, and it was the only time I was semi not rooting for the Celtics because if they won game five in L.A., I wouldn't have been able to be there. Um, and if they went back to Boston for game six, you know, I could make game six. And, I, I of course, I wanted them to win, but part of me was like, uh, if they lose, <laughs> it's kind of a no-lose situation for me. If they win, they win. Great, we're champs. If they lose, I get to go to game six. And, of course, I got to go to game six. Um, but we were around um, for so many of those games. It just seemed to always work out um, that um, we got to be around. But game seven against L.A., well, in in um, – 09, when Big Baby hit that game-winning jumper in Orlando, I was with my son Elijah. That's his first Celtics experience. He still brings it up to this day. He'll say, Dad, you remember when I was little and we watched the game together and Big Baby hit that shot? And I'll be like, yeah. he said, yeah, Big Baby got in trouble today. Yeah, Yeah. he's on his little plane. (laughs) Right. But um, (laughs) but he totally remembers – the big baby shot and like we legit celebrated and, and went crazy. Um, but um, wasn't that the donkey and track to Nate Robinson hopping on his back and everything? Yeah. 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 In 2010 um, game seven, we were playing at radio city music hall during game seven. And um, we uh, had a TV backstage and when the game ended, we all ran to the dressing room to watch the fourth quarter. And um, we watched the end of the third and the start of the fourth. And I remember, if I remember correctly, we we had the ball a couple times with a chance to go up to like 17. And um, we couldn't score. And I think the fourth quarter started, we were up 13. And I was like, it's not enough. 
it's not enough. We we need to get that basket and get up 17 or 18. It's just not going to be enough. And um, it wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you mentioned Paul Pierce coming out on stage. Um, it was our reunion concert in Boston, our first reunion tour in 2008. And about, I was there for that one. It was a great show. Yeah, maybe it was a, maybe a week or so into the tour. And um, I called Paul and asked if he would bring the trophy out. And um, he was like, yes, for sure. And um, that was the single loudest. And, and trust me, if you know anything about New Kids on the Block, our fans scream really loud. <laughs> and they, they did as kids, but they're louder now, believe it or not. Um, when we play Boston Garden, it's, there's nothing louder or crazier. But when Paul Pierce came out with that trophy, and you can see it on YouTube, um, it, it was – on freaking believable and we had all these celtics elements built into our show that we and we do it on the road like we had the um the opening sequence for the celtics games when kg would scream and you know the build up the hype up before the uh player introduction we got the celtics to give us the actual one from the games to use before our finale song hanging up in the concert so it was all celtic themed in every city we went to was all Celtic themed. We didn't care. And, um, <laughs> and we all wore Celtic jerseys the entire song, uh, every night in every city, including LA it didn't matter. Um, and when Pierce came out with that trophy, it was just, it was absolutely the loudest moment in the history of the kids on the block. It was unbelievable. Are the other guys in, in the group as passionate as you are? Or are you kind of leading the charge? They're, they're, Definitely passionate in their own way. Um, Danny Wood is um, definitely huge Boston sports fan, but I would say he's the biggest Bruins fan. He's a big hockey guy, um, and we're all Bruins fans, of course, too. Um, we we watched uh, the Vancouver series, most of that, um, <clears throat> when the Bees won the Cup. We were watching most of those games from stage. We have, like, we had tour people, literally, in this year, too, uh, this last Stanley Cup um Again, St. Louis, we were on tour, and we have road crew people who will come up while we're on stage and stand on the side of the stage and, you know, hold up the score. So <laughs> if the Bruins are on the left hand, the other team's on the right hand, and they will tell us the score. And you could tell by the look on their face in Game 7, it's like, <laughs> uh-oh, <laughs> they weren't looking too happy. Um, <clears throat> but nonetheless, um, Joey McIntyre, huge fan across the board. We've been to... I think three Super Bowls together, and I took him to all those 08 games um, uh, in Boston. I think he came to every game with me that year in 08 as my guest um, and loved it, loved it. Um, I think Ray Allen's his favorite Celtic of all time. Um, And Jordan Knight is, you know, he's probably the least of the sports fans, but he's into it um, as well. I mean, he goes to Celtics games. I'll go sometimes and didn't even know like he'll be sitting across and I'll see him sitting there with his family. So he's, uh, he's definitely a fan as well. Um, and Jonathan Knight does not care about sports at all. So <laughs> he's like, well, what are you guys watching? <laughs> <laughs> what is this all about? Yeah. But one of the coolest things in the last, um, bunch of years with new kids was when I narrated the 30 for 30, Yeah, the way that the, um, ESPN rolled it out was they would have a, finals game one night then a 30 for 30 the next night and then a finals game then a 30 for 30 and so we were on tour the entire time and 
it was a really surreal talk about surreal to be in the dressing room at a sold out arena somewhere. I don't know what cities we were in, but literally like in basketball arenas, like we play in the Spurs building and the Pistons and all, you know, we play in all the NBA buildings and to be in the dressing room in an NBA building, watching 30 for 30 reliving the eighties with these guys. Cause me and the, the new kids, like we were all in, in the eighties. Like we grew up as we were coming up, the Celtics were coming up, you know, like we were, we lived and died with the big three. And, um, you know, we would like leave rehearsal early in high school, like to go uh, watch a Celtics game. I mean, it was, we were all about the Celtics all the time. And um, to be watching that 30 for 30 with the guys. And it was literally like, it was like more interesting than the NBA finals were that year. Right. Cause it was like kind of a blowout. And um, we just, it was, surreal and then my voice is coming through the television hmm. like talking about it against ice cube which is surreal in itself <laughs> um you know ice cubes like amazing and um you know just to watch that um that was a really proud and surreal moment for sure that was definitely like look at you know where where my life has come like it's just so crazy um you know i mean i i could not uh, afford to even you know um get a get on the train and go stand outside the boston garden to listen to people screaming through the walls never mind afford a ticket to a game and here i am not not even at a game i'm like narrating the freaking documentary about the teams that i i grew up loving um that's it, a i'd say that's a little surreal and um just humbling for sure. Um, it's a, I don't know what I did to be so lucky in life. Um, but I just know that I try to, um, be grateful every single day and, um, and be thankful every single day and never take one second of it for granted. Um, because it, it, it could easily have gone a different way. So Boston sports fan through and through all these teams across the board. We've talked about all of them. You've played Fenway a number of times. And by the way, I look for tickets for this next show and it's insane how quickly you guys sell out. Are the Celtics the clear number one of this group though? Um, yeah, it's just a, you know, it's just a, if you cut open my veins, bleed green, the it's going to be green. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, that's not to say, you know, there was a time you know, when my my buddy, who's a diehard, listen to this combination, he's a Lakers fan, a Cowboys fan, and a Yankees fan. So he's a, so he's a bandwagon he, fan then. He, But he's been his whole life. I've known him okay. you know, for 35 years. He's he's It's been his teams forever. Um, you could say he's a bandwagon, though, because he grew up in an era where those teams were the best. Right. So you could say that. <laughs> um, but... um. You know, he said to me a couple of years ago, if you could get one more championship, what would you take? And um, at that time, I, you know, I, I think my answer, though, was as much as Celtics are probably my number one, I was like, one more, one more Patriots championship. That was when we were stuck on three. Yeah. And um, I said, if they can get one more, it just it cements Belichick and Brady in a different place. And um, they've gotten three more since then, which is unbelievable. But, um, yeah, there's something about um, 
that dynasty that felt incomplete. And, um, you know, in the 80s, the Celtics, for example, were a great dynasty, but the Lakers got the better of that um, in the end. And I'll never forget Larry Bird doing his interview saying Magic's just the best. He's the best I've ever um, seen. Um, so when people say who's the greatest of all time, you know, bas- basketball player, I say Magic, and they say why Magic? And I say if Bird said he was the best, then he's the best. And, um, you know, but for me, that the Patriots getting that one more, um, it put them into that upper tier, and it made them, you know, it cemented them. Because if you get three, you're not you're not you're not um, you're not in that next level category of the Montana 49ers, and we needed to get get past that, and we needed to do something. To, we had to get one more championship after the 16 and 0 season. Well, and coming up empty. It's a Celtics theme show, so obviously we've we've predominantly done Celtics, but we have to go Patriots right there because you know the the last time you and I chatted, we were both hoping and praying Tom Brady would return to the Pats. When you saw that post on, be it Instagram, Twitter, wherever you saw it, and you found out that he was leaving, never mind where he was going at that point, we find out obviously the Buccaneers of all places, but when you find out he's leaving, did your heart just sink like the rest of us? What was your reaction? Oh, you know, I don't, I don't think my heart sunk um, per se. Of course I don't want him to go. Um, I'm just, you know, I got to say, when it comes to the Patriots, I'm super emotional as well. I'm a Boston sports fan. I'm, I'm no different than anyone else. You know, I, I'm i like, I literally like am shaking at the start of, at the kickoff of a, of a playoff game in the Super Bowl, um, like most New England fans. Um, but I'm just, I'm all about the Belichick philosophies. And so while I don't want Brady to go and I'd love to give it one more shot and get number seven, um, you know, I'm just, I I try to live my life. I I love Belichick um, beyond the coaching. Like I love his press conferences and not because I think he's (laughs) sarcastic and smug. I get him. I get his approach to press conferences. Now it's a little gruff and surly, but he's not here for the games. He's just not here for the the baloney and the gaslighting and whatever. It's like it. He really is on to the next thing. It's like that, you know. And, and that's how I feel about this. You know, I I just I'm like, you know, I don't want Brady to go. I love Brady. Um, you know, I I, I still. Uh, think Wes Welker should have caught that ball and we would have beat the Giants in the rematch. You know. Uh, yeah. Yada yada yada, but but I'm very Belichick about things, and that is that you know we're on to the next season. It just is what it is, and um, you just you know I, I look at like you know Belichick's one of those guys that has the mentality of like you know if someone misses a kick at the end of the game, he's you know he's like well there's 50 other things happening in the game that that could have prevented the kick from even mattering. So right. who cares? You know, yep. like it's on to the next game. Right. And so that's my mindset. It's like, there's a bunch of plays that happen in a game. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that occurs that, you know, that really when it's over, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is learning from the lesson, not treating it as a L in terms of a loss, but treating the L in terms of a lesson 
and moving on to the next one. Um, and I, I really kind of operate that way. I remember in 2010 when the Celtics lost, uh, they had won game two in L.A. In, or game one. They stole one of the L.A. games, and they came back to Boston for game three. And I still thought the Lakers were the deeper team. And every time Bynum was playing, we couldn't beat them that year. And when Bynum would get hurt, we'd suddenly make a run and come up. But at the end of the game three, we'd been losing all game in – Ray Allen went for a layup. There was a steal, and he had a breakaway, and they called an offensive foul. And I was so mad, and I looked at the ref, and and I just said, and I looked at him, and I could tell, like, the building looked like they were going to kill him. <laughs> and I just said, you know what? I know why he made that call, because Ray kind of tried to go around the defender instead of just going up strong. He kind of was indecisive. And when you're indecisive, the ref's going to blow the whistle the other way. And it is what it is. There's nothing we could do to change it. There was a hundred other plays in the game that could have, we could have made that could have made this uh, 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 irrelevant point in the game, and uh, we didn't do it. And that's really my mindset. And so that's how I am with this. So uh, I'm really getting off course and talking about Tom Brady because I know everybody wants to hear specifically about Tom Brady, but. Um, I don't know what the hell we're going to do next. I'm like, get Cam Newton. Come on, get Cam Newton. But I know we're not getting Cam Newton. No, it's it's you know, Jared Stidham's team now. It's Jared Stidham's team. Like, yeah, my friends, um, I have a friend, Adam, who's like the guy that wears the goat mask at the Patriot games. And oh, he yeah. jumped. There's a famous video of him jumping in a snowbank looking for me and Tom Brady. It's hilarious if you haven't seen it. Um, no, I'll have to pull uh, that up. It's a very funny video. You can find it on YouTube. But, um he um, jumps into a like eight foot snowbank in his boxer shorts to save me <laughs> and Tom Brady, who aren't in the snowbank. But he is the biggest Patriots fan in the world, and he, you know, he's messaging me like, "What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I can't believe this." And I was like, "Knowing Belichick, um, you're looking at your next quarterback, kid, and uh, it is what it is, and um, we'll just have to see what it means." Um, and sure enough, I think signing Brian Hoyer uh, yesterday kind of cements that it's it's yeah. going to be Stidham's team. And um, what does that mean? I don't know. I just know that every off season, it's doomsday for the Patriots. Even when we had Brady, even when we had Gronk, um, you know, one year we lost the keep to leave to the Broncos, who kept beating us in the playoffs and. Mm-hmm. The sky was falling and the dynasty was over and we were done. And then magically Belichick got us to Rel Revis at the last second. Um, You know, things happen. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what Stidham's going to bring to the table. I don't know if we're going to get some more weapons. I hope we do. I do know that, again, I'm not somebody that says we could have, should have won and we would have won if. Um, I will say that I'm not really here for everyone blaming Belichick and saying he didn't get weapons um, because there was a point last year where we had Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon mm-hmm. and um, Wes Welker and all these other guys and everybody and their mother was saying the Patriots were going to go undefeated and every meme on social media was mm-hmm. Belichick with this grin on his face having outsmarted the world by getting Antonio Brown yep. and now we were going to get our seventh championship and a lot of things fell apart from that from that moment it was a quick descent um and so i'm not really really here for like blaming belichick for not getting the weapons um we had we went in one week last year from 
being understocked to everyone saying we have the most weapons in the NFL. Um, I'm also one that strongly believes that the biggest loss last year was not Antonio Brown. It was not Josh Gordon and it was not Rob Gronkowski. It was uh, David Andrews, James Devlin, Mm -hmm. and Isaiah Wynn for most of the season. Those losses hurt us as much as anyone else because we couldn't run the ball um, when Devlin and Andrews went down, you know, we, we, you know, you lose the guy that hand delivers the ball to Tom Brady, every single snap of the game was going to be a problem. And, um, there was, um, we just did not recover from, you know, losing our running game. You know, I, I got a feeling Nikhil Harry and Edelman and those guys might've got open a little bit more if we were able to be a real threat running the ball. And we lost, that's where we lost Miss Gronk the most was blo- run blocking. Um, that that hurt the Patriots as much as anything. And even still, for all the criticism of the Patriots last year, um, we were really pretty close to – we almost won every game. I mean, the only game that was really didn't look like a close game was the loss to the Ravens. And even then, we were driving to take the lead, and Edelman, who never fumbles, fumbled. Um you know, the Patriots are going to take the lead in that game in the second half after being down 17 nothing. Um, they were still the Patriots. They were still a great team. Um, it just, for whatever reason, um, fizzled out in the end. Should have beat the Chiefs. Should have had home field. Could have, should have, would have. It didn't happen. Here's where we are. Um, we're on to 2020, and we don't have Tom Brady. And I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I just know we're going to have to listen to – People like Max Kellerman. Um, <laughs> Talk more about the cliff. You, yeah, well, he probably – it just depends. You know, all the so-called experts, you know, they they talk about Brady and the cliff. And, yeah, well, you know, he'll say, well, he has six Super Bowls. Well, he only scored 13 points in the last one. So what? He won. Yeah. No, you'll you know, have the, the Kellermans and those people. Ridicule Brady for only scoring 13 points in the Super Bowl against the Rams are the same guys that – say Mahomes had the greatest Super Bowl ever well for three quarters Mahomes was you know I don't want to say choking in the Super Bowl but literally the commentators are like what the hell is going on with Patrick Mahomes Mm -hmm. Um, he's not playing a very good game and he wasn't and um, they pulled it out in the end and that's all that matters and for me the end result is all that matters and if you win you know, it's on to the next one, and if you lose, it's on to the next one. And Belichick, the reason we have six is because he doesn't celebrate the wins too long. He's on to the next one, and um, that's what it takes to be great. And and I think Brady's the same way. I'm not choosing Belichick over Brady. I'm just saying Brady's gone. There's not a damn thing we could do about it, so we might as well just hope for the best and, and, and believe in Bill. I mean – we believed in him when he gave Brady the job over Bledsoe. There are people who thought, A, we should never have hired Belichick. Yeah. And B, he should have started Bledsoe in the Super Bowl over Brady. Um, and here we are, six trophies later. So why would I question him now? It is what it is. I'm going to miss Tom. I love him. I would love to have seen us get number seven. I think we could have. I think we're not that far away. Um, with him as the quarterback. And now I just got to hope we're not that far away with Stidham as a quarterback. I have no idea, but I'm going to keep the faith and believe in Bill. Well, I've kept you way, way longer than I even anticipated, which, you know, if, if there's, I guess if there's any benefit to the coronavirus outbreak, it's that 
you know, your schedule has allowed you time to spend this much time with me so that we can dive deep on the Celtics, the Patriots, and so on and so forth. I'll wrap with this one question. Away from sports, because I'm sure it's been on your mind at least to some degree, how do you think that this whole experience that we're going through right now is going to impact the entertainment industry when, when all is said and done? Because it's it's already in some ways changing the way that we consume content. We know that. Are people going to stop going to concerts, to movies? Are they going to go less? Are they going to go differently? Or do you think life will kind of revert back to what we've known it to be for the most part? Well, I think that, um, of course, this is unlike anything most of us have ever experienced um, in our lives by a mile. Um, And there's no real way to know what's going to happen tomorrow, never mind uh, six months from now, but I do get a sense that most people really do want to get back to normal. And part of getting back to normal is, um, is, is going to events. It's going to sporting events. It's going to concerts. And I think in some ways, at least talking to my fans, um, we, and I've been talking to, to them a lot on social media. We really, um, we, we miss it. We miss the, the connectivity we miss um you know the experience and we miss the freedom um to just let go uh, so much a part of of going to concerts and and going to events is 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 the freedom that you feel you know that you can just you know especially for new kids fans you know you can be 40 years old and have kids and have a husband and have responsibilities but for one night you get to go be a teenager again um we're all missing that right now. Um, sports fans are missing it. Entertainment fans are missing it. And we don't know how long we're going to be missing it. Um, I think, you know, maybe shareable desserts at a restaurant might go bye-bye. <laughs> um, you know, but I don't think shareable events are going to go bye-bye. Um, I think people miss it um, really bad. And, and, like I said, we don't know how long this is going to last. We may be desperate for concerts and stuff. Um, it may be a little different. Um, how we enter and exit buildings may be different. What we do inside, you know, how we connect with each other might change a little bit. We may have to adjust that. Um, you know, courtside seats at a basketball game may look different in the future. Um, but the experience of a live event um there's nothing that can ever replace that, and I don't think that's going to go away. It just may take a little time to get it back up on its feet. But, um, you know, like there's just nothing like being able to come together with a large group of people sharing the same passion and energy that you have and, um, you know, listening to music or watching a game there's nothing like it in the world and there's really nothing that can replace it so i don't think it's going to end um i think it's hopefully going to come back as strong as ever um and i know for sure i will appreciate it more than ever when i do get back to it well hopefully obviously you know first and foremost main thing you your loved ones everybody stays healthy stays away from everybody but each other and just you know we all ride this out get through it in uh in the best possible way and get back to normal as you said as soon as possible but donnie Wahlberg, I, I greatly appreciate you coming on the show and again spending so much time with us and uh you know next time we have you on we won't have to spend nearly as long so we won't go back through the time machine and everything we'll we'll jump into you know current day events 
you do realize I'm a Boston sports fan, right? We, we, this is like a drop in the bucket when we're talking <laughs> Boston. We could have went for the next 20 hours. So, well, so hopefully, uh, careful what hopefully you wish for, right? Under different, yeah, <laughs> under different circumstances, you'll still get me for a couple hours. Don't worry. That sounds good to me. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Ton of fun there. I know we ran long, but I hope it was as interesting to you as it was to me with Donnie Wahlberg. This show, once again, is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. Thanks again to Donnie, to uh, my producer, Evan Valenti, to Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media. Uh, I don't know exactly when the next show will be. Who knows? Maybe it'll be next week. We'll find out. you got to stay with us and pay attention on social media. You can get me at Adam M. Kaufman. Obviously, I will tell you what's coming up. Maybe there will just be kind of specialty shows like this one, but we will absolutely keep you well-informed as we uh, wait. Right. And it's all any of us is doing right now. We're, we're just we're waiting this thing out. But uh, above all else, and I hope this was an escape for people to just talk and think sports and not everything that's going on in the world, because that is first and foremost. You know, we're not far away from a government shutdown everywhere, California, New York, Massachusetts and beyond to try and get this thing under control. And I hope, I hope that is what happens soon and that in in some sort of, I don't think this will be the case, but in some sort of alternate reality, we really are talking about finishing out this season and, and a return to Celtics basketball and the NBA and professional sports and all of it when all is said and done before the end of summer. I really do. That would be great. In the meantime, please subscribe to the show. You can get us on iTunes. Just search Celtics or Celtics Beat. It'll pop right up. In the meantime, Gino, I love that sound. 